Welcome, everybody, to your favorite day of the week. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined by Adam Mattis for the first time in what feels like a few months. Buddy, I missed you. Missed you too, buddy. And I'm ready. This is like a peak optimism. We're almost at the greatest three-month run of sports of the entire calendar year. I can't wait. I was trying to think of like how are we defining this? Because a lot of people say that the unofficial start of the season is kind of sort of Christmas, right? And then you have like the post-trade deadline thing, and then now we are post-All-Star break. To me, this feels like the the beginning of the final lap of the year. To me, it's the spiritual second half of the year. And I know that sounds crazy, but if you think about it, the NBA Finals are the end of the year, and those are in June. This is mm-hmm. like right at the halfway point to the NBA Finals. It's not to the end of the regular season. That's why I call it the spiritual halfway point. You're better at math than I am. So uh, today's show... <laughs> That's a fact. <laughs> today's show... That's we are definitely going... a fact. <laughs> uh, we are going to first talk about the games uh, as NBA play resumed. Pretty fun night of basketball. I mean, you know, you had an overtime game. Uh, you had First of the... all, yeah, it was, it was okay, but I think you just missed basketball. <laughs> so I think it's like, a, oh, I really think great. it was. Like starvation is the best dressing. <laughs> like I think that's where yeah. we are. Um, so we're going to talk about those games in the first segment here. Second segment, the Grizzlies lost what could be an absolutely killer game to the Kings. Uh, and yeah. We are going to use that to segue into painting the Western Conference playoff picture, which, once again, is going to be insane. So we're going to do that. And then finally, we're going to wrap up the show with another round of power rankings. This time, Adam is going to talk about the coaches that have put the 10 best performances at their job so far this season. Let's start, though, with those games. So uh, first on my list here, you had... Uh, we'll just really quickly say that the Rockers beat the Rockets beat the hell out of the Warriors, uh, and and somehow in a thirty plus point win or a thirty point win, <laughs> Russell Westbrook gets ejected. Adam, what's more shocking to you that he got ejected or that he was in the game in the first place to be able to do so? Neither are surprising, and yeah, I right. would say that that he got ejected is certainly more surprising because I love Westbrook and look, he's been balling. Yeah. Russell Westbrook is balling right Especially now. Especially since the, the start of the experiment. This new experiment. We said this. Do you remember? We said this a month ago or whatever it happened. I said this was a Russell Westbrook move. Like this was for him. It almost – I think the whole whose team is it is always dumb, so I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. But the team is certainly more Westbrook's team than it was a month ago. Like it just – it's more optimized for him and he gets to be his truest self more than it was – at any point. And I think even a little bit more than it is for Harden, like it, you know, whatever. But, um, yes, tonight, as we know, Westbrook, Westbrook likes to play out and, and get those stats in the fourth quarter. And it felt to me a little bit like that was going on. They were up 35 points and yeah. he's out there throwing bows. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> and talking trash to all of San Francisco. Like well, you know that, bench. you know, you know, the Rockets and Westbrook in particular really, really, really despise the Warriors. And yeah. I think taking it out on this version of the Warriors is pretty lame, but whatever. I would I would enjoy it if I were the Rockets. I can't lie. I'm petty. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the next game on my list here, you had the Bucks beating the Pistons. Uh, you somehow have an observation to make on this game. <laughs> well, the Bucks dominated this game. 33 points from Giannis, 16 rebounds. Um, he was a plus 39. Um, That's insane. But, you know, 
the Bucks won by 20, and Anthony, they have a net rating this year of plus 11.7, which you get double-digit plus net ratings that they outscore opponents by more than 10 points per 100 possessions. The next closest is the Lakers at plus 7.2. And I know a lot of people are saying, you know, oh, that's a historically good differential. That's great. But here's my take. In this era of basketball, you're more defined by what you can't do than what you can. And if great, you can beat the Pistons by 20. Some great teams can only beat the Pistons by 10. It doesn't matter. At a certain point, I just don't think it matters. Like a lot of people are pointing to that and saying, oh, just look at that differential. They're clearly the best team in the league. And I think they are right now. They've been the best regular season team. But this idea of them being unbeatable, even in their own conference, throw that out. Every team that's like a plus six or plus five or better, they're good. Every, I don't care if you beat any team by 20, 30, 40. It doesn't matter to me. Adam out here just crapping on the BCS. Look at you go. I like it. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what it is. You're right. Like, oh, <laughs> Alabama beat Fort Wayne State by 100. Like, congratulations. Uh, the next game that I have on here, fun one here. Between the Heat and the Hawks, Trey Young drops a career-high 50 points uh, as the Hawks kind of upset the Heat. Holler. They did upset. I mean, that is, that's you're right. That was an upset. Anthony. <laughs> good, yeah. uh, good work. No, Trey you know, Young's 50-piece, he... man. He's a he's a fun player. Eight eight three pointers tonight. Eight of fifteen. He was efficient. Fifty points on twenty five. I had this great stat from our guy uh, Jeff Siegel. Trey draws more non shooting fouls than anybody in the league, and is in the ninety fifth percentile in shooting fouls. He also is an incredible, obviously a great shooter from the foul line. That's a real hidden weapon for a guy his size to be able to do that. So um, hat tip to him. Lloyd Pierce, I thought, coached a great game. He had some really good ATOs down the stretch in this one. And then you're going to love this one, the stat line of the night. It wasn't Trey Young. It wasn't Bam Adebayo, who went for 28, 19, and 7. It was Dwayne Dedman. 20 minutes, zero points, zero assists, <laughs> zero steals, zero blocks, zero turnovers, zero of two shooting, eight rebounds. He went out there and just rebounded eight times and called it a day in 20 minutes. Hey, man, we all need our cardio. We all, every so often, you just got to go out there and run around a little bit. <laughs> the next game we have I on love here. it. Uh, the next game we have on here is the Hornets beating the Bulls 103-93. to That game existed. Uh, the Sixers beat the— Hold on! There's a, there's a note in there. I told you I have notes for all these. I believe oh in God. show prep, Anthony. You're incredible. I believe in show prep. <laughs> Malik Monk in this game. No, you're Malik getting my, you're getting my game check for this one for having thoughts on <laughs> Hornets Bulls. <laughs> Some of us love the NBA. Malik Monk, 25 points, 7 of 13 shooting. He was a plus 15 in this one, team high. His last 10 games, I'm not a Malik Monk believer, but it's noteworthy. When your last 10 games, you're averaging 18 points per game on 47, 41, 92 split, uh, shooting splits. He, got, he deserves a shout-out, so shout-out Malik Monk. All right, way to go, Malik. Uh, the next game on here is uh, the Sixers beating the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, so they win in overtime. At one point, I think they started the game 20 to 4, were getting booed in the second quarter, made a comeback and won in overtime. What like if you're going to if you're going to find like a, a a game that was still kind of drunk coming off of the long weekend, here you go. There's your game. There's a fun one. Although the Kings well, were still pretty vacation happy too, yeah. it like. Well, the news of the day was that Kyrie Irving is going to have shoulder surgery and yeah. miss the remainder of the year. So Brooklyn wakes up this morning and finds out that they're going to be without Kevin Durant, without Kyrie Irving. They go in there and go to overtime against Philadelphia in Philadelphia. 
I don't look. Joel Embiid was incredible in this game. He goes for ten of twenty. Uh, he goes for thirty nine point sixteen rebounds on ten of twenty shooting. He was a plus twenty four. He did his job. Something about this Philly team, man. Like, really, a, an overtime loss at home on full rest against this Brooklyn team that's that's a patch job. I, I don't know, man. Something well, about Philly just doesn't doesn't pass my test. Simmons didn't play, although at one point I saw. I, I don't know yep. if this changed over the course of the game. It probably obviously did, seeing as the Sixers won, but. Al Horford in like 11 minutes was a minus 30 at one point in the game. I well, just want to know how hard you got to try. <laughs> I want to yeah. know how hard you have to try to, for, for that number. You have to actively be scoring for the other team. This this roster, when you think about the process and this idea of all these assets and then here's where you are. And look, I love Horford. He's one of my favorite types. This is either a really bad fit or he just doesn't have it anymore, man. Yeah. Well, sometimes well here under- I am being the one with the hot takes. Look at that. <laughs> it's usually your job. <laughs> Writing off of That was one of my notes. All-star. I just had to cross it off. Look at that. Um, finally, in in what, what closed off the night, the nightcap. Well, I guess technically the, the Houston game was a nightcap, but nobody watched that after the third quarter. But you had the Kings beating the Grizzlies in an absolutely brutal loss for Memphis. And a game that the Kings tried, I, I don't know, Adam, you and I were watching, I think, this at the same time. We were texting back and forth. How many times? There's like seven times that the Kings tried to lose this one? <laughs> they they definitely did. Um, and Memphis, you know, they rallied back. They they actually, I thought, played pretty well down the stretch of this game. It was like they, they were a little bit, they were still in Cancun, still in Mexico, mm-hmm. uh, still in Hawaii, wherever it was they took their vacation. John Morant's but, um, getting used to like the first post-All-Star game break you know that's these it's a rookie thing there's they they grow up so fast don't they no but yeah you're right this was uh, uh down the stretch it looked like the kings were getting a head start on their tank job <laughs> yeah it was it was a it was a fun one to watch down the stretch and you know our, our buddy uh at fast break breakfast was was saying after the fact that like this is why you don't want the elim scoring for for every game because that had like seven fouls in the last 35 seconds and uh keith i was i'm sure was pulling yes, out that's what you want what's that <laughs> yeah i said yeah. yeah fouls that's what you want <laughs> well we got it anyway in the all-star game uh that'll do it though for the uh games the recapping of those games adam somehow had thoughts on all of them that was impressive adam i can't lie i gotta, Thanks, I gotta give my props uh we are going to take a quick second when we come back we're gonna use this grizzlies loss and explain why it's such a brutal one here in a second So the Grizzlies drop one to Sacramento, one that Sacramento was trying like hell to be able to to lose. And, you know, you look at their upcoming schedule, the Grizzlies tomorrow or today, by the time you guys are listening to this, they're going to take on the Lakers. So they might drop another one. And uh, the Portland Trailblazers are only three and a half, as we're recording, three and a half games back of the Grizzlies. San Antonio is four and a half. Four losses. The, the losses are where you really start to pay attention because you can make up wins. You can't make up losses. Right. So you're looking here at, at this kind of grouping. There's there's obviously a gap. The Mavericks somehow have the, the conference's second best point differential and are sitting at the seventh seed right now, five games up on the Grizzlies and, and then more on the other teams that are below the Grizzlies. But, but Adam, like, A, who do you – which team do you think actually steps up here? And B – do any of these teams make anybody that are in the the seven seeds ahead of them a little nervous moving forward? 
uh, and the seven seed, no. I mean, you're talking about a five game gap between seven and eight right now, and that's quite a bit. Um, you know, I think Memphis is a good team, but I don't see them making up five games on Oklahoma City or vice versa. I don't see Oklahoma City or Dallas dropping five games unless we talk about a major injury. So let's throw that out. But you do look at it, four games is a pretty good cushion. I just said five games was like insurmountable. Four games is a good cushion, but the Grizzlies losing tonight, them being as young as they are, we know about the rookie wall. We Mm -hmm. know about young players learning what it is to go 82 games. Their best player, their most important player is a rookie. He has never been this deep into a season. So I think Memphis is certainly vulnerable um, in in that eight spot. And like you mentioned, the drop to the Lakers, you come right, assuming they drop to the Lakers, on a back-to-back, you come right out of the All-Star break and drop two and forfeit half or nearly half of your advantage. Yeah, I think that that puts quite a bit of pressure on them. So I by no means – Grizzlies are in the driver's seat, but I by no means think that they have this thing locked up. If someone catches them, who do you think it'll be? So I love it because you look at it, Portland, San Antonio, both with 31 losses, New Orleans with 32, Phoenix at 33. I, again, it's funny that we talk about, like, New Orleans got a shot. One more loss, Phoenix, no chance. But <laughs> at, at a certain point, it does. Well, do one look team at it got Zion Williamson back. The other one didn't. That's a great point. So um, five games, that's a lot to make up. First of all, let me say this, Anthony. I love Memphis. They've been so much fun to watch this year. And I like Portland because da- Damian Lillard is, is a lot of fun. San Antonio's there. Um, then New Orleans <laughs> – New Orleans is obviously like who would not want to see New Orleans against the Lakers in the first round? Who would not want to see Zion Williamson in a playoff series? Of course, that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. So that's the one I'm rooting for. But it's a lot of games. Five games. That's a lot to make up. Well, it's it's not just that you're making up those five games on just Memphis too, right? Because they, the Pelicans would need some help from the other teams that are that are ahead of them too. The Spurs now the Spurs are buying off. They 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 paid off uh, Demar Carroll to to go away. Right, and it's just a weird Spurs year for him anyway. And then you know, but you know, the Spurs are that team that always comes on late, and that's yeah. that's the only thing I would say about them is we always write them off, and then they always end up being really good down the stretch. And um, you know, maybe maybe they're poised for that as well. But the, the team I think we haven't talked about, and the team I think you were getting ready to, Portland. Yeah, they are also the team we always count out, and they're the one that's closest in striking range. Nurkic should be back at some point. Damian Lillard, can he just keep him afloat for a little bit longer until they can they can make their their move? I that's the team to me that just kind of feels like they're actually going to make it. So I'm 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 reading the situation as somebody who covers the Lakers, I guess a Lakers fan for lack of a better term. But I'm looking here at Memphis, Portland, San Antonio, and the Pelicans. I'm not counting the Kings or the Suns in this because I don't think either of those teams have that kind of charge in them. Of those. four four teams right now i think the team i would least like to face is probably somehow memphis is that weird um i don't but none of them you really care no no no, no. i'm not not really nervous about any of them but so memphis kind of reminds me now they don't have the same ceiling because there is no durant on this team but it does remind me of that super young insanely talented incredibly athletic and long team that just makes a first round series more energy it, it takes out more energy than it would to beat like the trailblazers or the spurs or even the pelicans i think what you worry about when you're a one seed versus an eight seed is just variance you you worry about the team that maybe isn't as good but man they can get hot or this or that yeah. and 
you know, Portland maybe fits that bill a little bit. Memphis, as you mentioned, nothing to lose. The young guys get hot, you know, chip on their shoulder. Can LeBron James bring the same energy as John Morant when in that spot? It's hard to. It's hard to be the guy that's like, yeah, I know you're not as good versus John Morant's like, I got nothing to lose and this is my stage. You know, that's that stuff is is, is tough. Um, but New Orleans to me is the one that if I were L.A., I would be the most sort of just – you never want that. You never want Anthony Davis to have to play a playoff series back home in front of New Orleans. You know, Zion Williamson, he's 10 games into his career. What's he look like 30 games into his career? I mean, this guy right might actually be an X factor in a series against anybody. So uh, to me, if I were looking at it, New Orleans is the team. If I were the Lakers, I would least like to see. Yep. All right. Let's look at the top of the conference here because it is fascinating. You have the Lakers have a bit of a gap. They have five games. They're five games up on the Nuggets in the in the loss. They've column. got the one seed unlocked. I mean, unless LeBron James goes down tomorrow, I think the the Lakers are are the one seed. Yeah, I I would probably agree. So you're looking at Denver, the Clippers, Utah, Houston, OKC, and Dallas. Uh, the we'll just stay in the in the top four seeds here between Denver, the Clippers, and Utah. Do you see any any kind of jumping around in that order? There is first, that the caliber of, all, of those Houston teams. And- you know what? Throw Houston in there, and I have to give a shout out to the to the boss man, uh, David Locke, who's done some fantastic work both on this show and on Locked On Jazz, sort of looking at the schedules of those teams we just mentioned: Denver, mm-hmm. the Clippers, the Jazz, and Rockets. And so, so, you know, how many teams do you play with above five hundred? You know, um, record. How many teams above six hundred? Whatever. So um, the Rockets actually have a lot of gimmies on their schedule. So yes, they're only they're only three are they're the most furthest down they're the five seed and they're five games back of denver but they have some they can make up some ground by just having the softest schedule there mm-hmm. um to me all of those teams are good denver plays the clippers twice more they play utah twice more there's going to be a lot of head-to-head matchups and uh i'm you know how those head-to-head matchups go i think are going to go a very long way to determining who finishes on top of, of this sort of scrum one factor here with Houston that I don't think we took account took into account uh, when this experiment started, and I love that. Like I want them to, like they need to be hashtag the experiment from now on. Like that's their they need okay. to make experiment shirts, like all that stuff. That that needs to be Houston. Houston as a city needs to rebrand just because of the Astros. But with this especially going on, I think it's fun. <laughs> 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 oh, okay. No, not a beleaguered Dodgers fan I'll at all. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Uh, Blow but, the belt, but I'll. But I do think, like, one thing I I really feel like we're we're seeing with Houston is this experiment. Experiment has really galvanized that entire organization. Those players love playing this way. Like they are so yeah. bought in. It's so much fun to watch that these guys is just like you know what? Yeah, we're all we're in a six eight and under league, and 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 we're taking on these teams. We have to switch and play crazy hard to be able to do it. But also, we get basically whatever shot we want because nobody can guard us. That's kind of fun. I don't think it's going to happen, Anthony, but it would be very fitting if the Daryl Morey, Mike D'Antoni team finally got over the hump the year they most went to the extreme. Like, yeah, we've right. all laughed about them going extreme, but this is the most, like, I don't think you can go further than this. This is actually the the edge. They've gone to the the, the expanse. So, um, but again, I don't, I don't know if I see that happening. I think for all these teams, 
it's interesting. So Houston, one of the questions is, can teams figure them out? They figured they figured themselves out, I think, very quickly. I mean, they look mm-hmm. like, okay, this is who they are, and they're tough. They're unique. They're different. It's working. Um, Utah has to figure out Mike Conley. They have to figure out their rotation. Is like, Who is their guys that they're going to start and, and close and, and all of that? The Clippers, obviously— we they've gotten a pass much to your chagrin. They've gotten a pass on the like health issues and they the chemistry and this or that. But if they come together over this last eight weeks and then they they you know are sprinting into the playoffs, then it's like okay, that's maybe they're even the favorite or at least they're they're right there in the conversation out west. So can they come together? And then with Denver, you know they've been great all year. Michael Porter Jr. is just starting to come on. Before he rolled his ankle, uh, you know, I think five games left in, before the All-Star break, he was really starting to come into his own, and he's an enormous X factor for Denver. If he is a player, and if he can become a player over this last eight weeks, you know, Denver's odds of being like a true contender in that category go, uh, go up a lot. So all of those teams have some question marks around them. That's part of what makes it so interesting. Yeah, that's been the season. That's, that's really defined the season. You have 30 seconds to explain this to me, Adam. How are the Mavericks down at the seven seed with a 5.9 point differential? That makes zero sense to me. Hey, man, it goes back to what I was saying about Milwaukee. Who can? Oh, you can beat Golden State by 35, and you know they're a high they're a high variance team. Dallas they score mm-hmm. a lot of points, and they can put up a when they're rolling and the shots are falling, they can win by 30. The Utah Jazz don't win by 30 too often. Yeah. You know, they win a lot of games by five, and it's good. They can dominate the fourth quarter and win by five. Dallas smacks a lot of teams, and to me, I just don't think it matters. I think it matters to a point. You know, a lot of these teams have a, a differential, a net rating of plus three and a half to seven and a half. That matters. But once you get above that, I don't care. I don't care that you beat Detroit. I, that's an interesting point. I want to see how that evolves over the course of the year and years to come. Yeah. I want to see how that goes. Yeah, it, Let's uh let's take another quick second here. When we come back, Adam is going to probably light his mentions on fire by by talking about coaching because it's such an intangible and almost undefinable <laughs> thing that we're going to be analyzing yeah. here in a second. So we'll see how that goes. So to this point, we have we have done plenty. I I really enjoy it when we wake up the next morning and we have like some random at to both of us and at some point about like whatever it is that adam said in this final segment of our of our weekly show and i have a feeling that because we're going to be talking about coaching in the nba and because of the years that some of the best coaches in the nba have had we're probably going to be getting one of those ats or probably multiple of them well, you're right that this is the the reason. If you remember the first week we did power rankings, my the explanation for it, I said power rankings are the dumbest thing out there. So and people take them so seriously. So mm-hmm. this power ranking coaches who like what are we really talking about? Oh, this team is successful. Their coach ergo is very good. <laughs> so um, this if you guys pump actually send us the hate mail. I don't care. Yeah. But just know that it's re- absolutely ridiculous to get upset about any type of power ranking. Yeah, if you're going to send us Nonetheless, hate mail, make sure you get Adam's about at right. Make sure, like, mine <laughs> is less important because I'm not really actually saying anything. Like, my job here is to laugh at Adam's power rankings. But if you're going to hate us, at Adam underscore modest. Let's get this All thing right, started, though. Number 10 at your, in your coach power rankings list is? Quinn Snyder. Now, here's what I here's the hard part about Quinn Snyder. I don't have anything to say about him this year, but his we team is good. We are legally and contractually obligated to put him on our list because of our boss. 
<laughs> I think Quinn Snyder's a very good coach, so if that means anything. But if I were to say this specific season, what has been the thing, I think his season's going to be defined much more by the next eight weeks than it was by the previous, I don't know, however many. Yeah, the the Mike Conley thing, I, I actually really like the Jazz coming into this year. And I think Rudy Gobert has really improved in a way that isn't analyzed. You did not like the be. Jazz coming into this year. I just want to make one no, quick no, no, correction. No, that's not true. That's not true at all. You, you might have liked you might have liked that they you might have thought that they were gonna be good, but you did not like the Jazz. Well, no, I I'm I'm physically incapable of liking the Jazz. I, <laughs> I just wanted to clear that up. You said I like the Jazz. Okay, just, okay. That was not true. <laughs> fair. That's a, <laughs> that's a fair point. I am. I cannot. I cannot like the Jazz. I cannot like the Celtics. I cannot like the Portland Trailblazers. I cannot care about the Denver Nuggets. But like, <laughs> <laughs> but I did think that the Jazz had uh, were, were capable of quite a bit this year. Because of the Mike Conley thing, and they just haven't figured out a way to figure that out consistently and sustainably. And some of that does kind of sort of fall on the coach. Okay. All right. Number nine. Number nine. I'm going to go with Taylor Jenkins. Okay. (laughs) Memphis. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like you – First of all, this Memphis team has been the surprise team, I would say, of, yes, of the year. Absolutely. No, I was actually thinking like he should be higher because of the the year that they've had. You know, I reward winning and they lost tonight, and this is a power <laughs> ranking. So and as moment. you have explained to me, power rankings, most recent thing that happened, it gets yeah. weighed very, very, very hard. So mm-hmm. Taylor Taylor Jenkins looks like a bouncer at like a dive bar. Can you <laughs> okay. see that? <laughs> uh, no, but I'm also not going to like look into this. Right. I'm not going to image search him. You, you said you should. Um, I couldn't not. I couldn't num- not see it while I was watching their game last night. <laughs> number number nine, uh, Frank no, Vogel, eight. your guy. Oh wait, that, that's number eight, eight. Number eight, Frank Vogel, your guy. Also, um, feel like he look, should be higher, but I think this might be a trend because there's so many good teams and so many good coaches. That was we were talking. We were kind of joking about this. There's a lot of good coaches in the NBA right now, and it's funny because I remember five, six years ago, I felt like we were talking about how many awful coaches there were. It You're just right. felt like every coach was terrible, minus like four. But I think there's a lot of really good, and I would say, new generation, like the next generation of coaches, have really like arrived in, uh, on the scene. Frank Vogel's not one of them. Yeah, but, I was saying. Um, it's funny that you're saying this about a retread, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> no, but you know what? Frank Vogel has done a great job. And you think about coaching this specific Lakers team. I know a lot of people think all that talent, what do you have to do? But it's actually a really tough job coaching LeBron. And that has been a happy locker room. It's been a team that's been having – this is the most fun a LeBron team has had in maybe ever. Maybe, maybe ever. since like 2008. Since his rookie year probably. No, I'll say this because you, you wanted me to make the case for Vogel. And I'll say this about Vogel. He was the Lakers like fourth choice. You can make the argument. <laughs> Right, like okay. they wanted Ty Lue, they want Jason Kidd, they wanted Monty Williams, and then like Frank Vogel was sitting there ready for his uh, interview to be an assistant coach, and they're like, "You got the head coach job," you know, and and uh, the expectation heading into the year was that eventually Jason Kidd would supplant him, and that he wouldn't be able to to garner the respect of LeBron James and and, and let alone Anthony Davis, and yet here he is, and the Lakers like he just coached in the All Star game, and yeah, it's kind of a meaningless, meaningless accomplishment. That has a lot more to do I would with agree. the talent, the, the, the talent that the, that that is all elsewhere on the roster, but the fact that the guy went from 
a position of almost zero expectations to where he is right now, where the team, like such a big part of, of coaching in the NBA is managing egos and, and a guy that isn't going to be on this list, Doc Rivers, like his team once again is having these kind of chemistry issues. Frank Vogel, everybody associated with the Lakers is saying, this is the most special chemistry we have ever been a part of. And I think a lot of that has to do with this guy, this unassuming dude who just gets out of the way and says, you know what? Here's here's my defensive system. LeBron, you handle the offense. I know my my limits here. And I think understanding that and, and, and working with that as the understanding, I think he deserves a lot of credit for it. That was the worst minute and a half of my life. I know. I know. But that's what <laughs> But that's, you did a good job. That's you what that's what you case. get for forcing me to listen to twenty minutes off air about Nikola Jokic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm moving him up because of that, I'm actually moving him up from eight to seven and a half. Oh, I moved thanks, up to man. seven and a half. <laughs> my, my my number my number seven on the list. Mike Zantoni. This one might be just too low. You know what? Mike D'Antoni has had a near impossible task. <laughs> he's in the, six and a half. Been, <laughs> he's, been, he's been sitting on the hottest of seats. I mean, a literal fire everywhere around him this entire season. Yeah. And you know what? That team – and here's the other thing. They made the adjustment, got rid of a Capella, and, and on the fly. On the fly, it Mid-season, seems to have worked. Yeah. I mean, well, Mike D'Antoni is forever going to be judged by what happens to them in the playoffs. But you know what? Everybody laughed. Everybody snickered when Russell Westbrook went there. Like, oh, where are you going to saw the ball in half? Team looks good, and you know what? Their offense, their offense is really humming. You know, if you saw the ball in half, that makes for more surface area that the ball can technically go through the rim in. So, I can see it working. <laughs> Did you just try to math? Like, <laughs> like I said, you're better <laughs> than I am. Who's next on your list? <laughs> Nate McMillan. All right. Nate McMillan and the Pacers, like they're the one team nobody ever talks about, thinks about, or anything. Nate McMillan, that that team has been very, very good, phenomenal. Uh, you know, well-rounded team. They they're getting. They didn't have Oladipo for the you know obviously for most of the year, all the way until very, very recently, including even last year. And uh, this they've just been a good, tough team. So um, he he belongs on my list. I like how two points here. First, I like how you feel the need to explain to me where some of these coaches actually coach, which like in, in your defense, <laughs> Taylor Jenkins, I, I blanked for a second. Uh, my point here about Nate McMillan, I want to see what the Pacers look like now that they have expectations because Oladipo is back. And I know it's tough. I don't to... think they, I don't think they have expectations though. And that's, what's kind of interesting about them. I think they will well, next that should be year, factored perhaps into the math of, of, of the ability to coach there. Right? Like that's part of why I think Vogel has done such a really, such a good job is that he has, he's under the, the LA spotlight all the back. time. Okay. Yeah. Brad Stevens, okay. same right. thing. If you want me to go in that direction, right? Like the, the, those <laughs> no. coaches that like walked into the year with expectations, those guys should get an extra bump. They should be graded on a curve. And I think Nate McMillan has done a really good job, but his expectations Here, this year were like, about Nate, Nate, don't have here's, everybody here's walk out of the gym. Nate McMillan was an old school coach back in the old school. Mm-hmm. I thought when Pacers hired him, I was like, man, there's no way this is going to work. He's going to be so like all oh, traditionalist. And he hasn't been. And I, I tip my hat to that. I like when coaches can like evolve. evolve. Yeah. I, I'm really impressed with that. And he has the next guy on my list is sort of his um, twin in the Western conference, Michael Malone, another guy on a team that's sort of right below the line of who people take seriously in, in the Denver nuggets. But they're another team that everybody yelled at him all year, play Michael Porter jr. Play him more. And I still think, yeah, I probably could have, 
But you, every time you step back and look at Malone's process and say, like, you know what? It's nice. It's nice that Michael Porter Jr. doesn't have a lot of minutes under his belt right now. It's nice that he kind of didn't play the first two months because now he's still fresh and and, and all that. So I, I think he belongs on this list um, right ahead of Mike, uh, Nate McNillan and right below the next, the top four, who I think are really the uh, the class of the league right now. I these things don't always last because eventually like teams and organizations just want a different voice. But I do like the coaches who are hard asses that players will legitimately vouch for. So like, yeah, uh, Boylan and beeline were hard asses that nobody actually liked, right? They would, (laughs) they would pay lip service and then they would, you know, as soon as, he had players playing baby because I'm a thug because because of like what what, what leaked and stuff like that. Right. So he came in 30th on this list. (laughs) (laughs) He got the old INC, (laughs) but, but I, but here with Michael Malone, he is this guy who just pushes and pushes and pushes and pushes. And, and, and maybe sometime down the road, he might push a little too far and, and the players might just want somebody a little different. But for right now, the fact that he pushes those guys as hard as they are, given the year that they were coming off last year to now, and he that the, the fact that he kept pushing them and they still legitimately seem to really like the guy, I think that that speaks volumes of, of how he handles the locker room. No doubt about it. I'm close to it, and I can attest to that being a, an actual real thing. I think, Anthony, the top four to me are in – are they're, they're – to me are the easy ones like these guys are have all been great this year they're all great coaches number four on my list is is brad stevens mm-hmm. um and this was tough i could have easily had him up two or three even all the way at the top to be honest with you the celtics team uh went through turmoil last year and i think a lot of people they took their chances to throw the tomatoes at the wonder boy because brad stevens got too much love my arm's um, still recovering <laughs> but but you know what the Celtics are back, and and it, it turns out that it wasn't Stevens's fault that the team had went through so much tor- turmoil last year, and now they're within striking distance of the two seed, and maybe the best bet to knock off Milwaukee. I, you know, that that Celtics team has been impressive. Here's my one slight counter, and everybody listening to this is, oh great, the Lakers guy has a counter about the Celtics guy, but everybody who paid attention to the Celtics and Brad Stevens career in particular could have seen this season coming right where he has expectations lowered because he no, doesn't have Horford no. and he doesn't have Kyrie. I, and now they're, they're outperforming no. the lowered expectations. And now guess who gets the credit? Whereas like, it might just be that Jason Tatum took a step forward. Like that might just it be definitely is that anytime we talk about coaches, of course, I mean, look, same with Frank Vogel. I mean, oh, he got LeBron and Anthony Davis to be good, you know, but this is this is just how it works. Yeah. Stevens gets credit because they have the fourth best record in the NBA right now, and they are one game back from having the third best. And nobody that, you know, people thought the Celtics would be good, but that's a really and, and on top of that, they've been better. You know, down the you know lately they had a little bit of a of a slower start. Now they've been great. So I, I I think he's clearly in the top four this this season. Yeah, I just I just think a lot of people could have seen this coming this season coming in the analysis of Brad Stevens coming. Who's number three? <laughs> you you hate narratives, but it's all sometimes narratives are the truth. Yeah, uh, this was really tough. I really 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 wanted to put this one uh, up higher, but I just couldn't do it. Eric Spolstra. One of my favorite coaches, um, that Miami Heat team, another one that when this season began, you looked at it and you go, man, I don't know. There's some weird pieces. Like, is that a good team? Yeah. I think Miami 
is a great team. I think great. Miami has a chance. I do. Well, okay, look, they're not the they're not the, the Lakers, they're not the Bucks, they're not they're not the front runners. But you know what? Would you be surprised if Miami knocks off Philadelphia, knocks off Boston, knocks off Toronto, knocks off Milwaukee? I would not. They're that good of a team. They're tough. And I, I just think I, I trust Spolster as much as I trust any coach to understand what he has and work to figure it out. They just lost to the Atlanta Hawks. So your power rankings. Iguodala, are Iguodala was a. Oh, yeah, you're right. That was a recency one. I should have moved him down one behind Stevens. <laughs> oh, can't believe I didn't do this. <laughs> Number two. I'm going to kick myself. <laughs> Number two, uh, Coach Bud. I'm going to have to give it to Budenholzer. Look, yeah. the 47 and eight. They really are on pace for. 70 wins uh, Co- coach bud man he just seems he really is a smart coach and maybe if they if the bucks do not win the title this year and especially if they do not make it to the finals i worry mike uh, budenholzer is going to be the labeled he's a great regular season coach and he might get thrown into the mike d'antoni category i worry about that mm-hmm. but you know what we're in the regular season this power rankings is taking place in the regular season the milwaukee bucks are 47 and 8 yeah with the I mean, we we've been shitting on point differential all year, uh, but but having a plus twelve point differential is pretty special. And the guy that at the helm of that team deserves to be in the top two. Uh, number one, yeah. I think who I think I know who number one might be. Nick Nurse. There he is, the reigning with his NBA own hat. champion, the choke of the yeah. I look, did you read Sirat's uh, Sohi's profile on him on Yahoo Sports the other day? You just asked me if I read. Okay. Well, it was fantastic. It was absolutely fantastic. Nick Nurse is a guy that clearly knows the league. It's funny. We all sort of crown Brad Stevens as the face of the new generation. I think in part because he just looks so young. <laughs> like he looks like a child. So it's yeah. like, oh, the young coach. But, you know, Nick Nurse to me, maybe more than any other coach in the NBA right now, um, embodies what it means to this new generation, you know, uses every piece of information from the, and I'm going, I'm relying heavily on the reporting of Surat here mm-hmm. at the fantastic writer, um, you know, willing to step away from the spotlight and hand over responsibilities to his assistants and not just responsibilities, but credit and everything else. One of the things in that story was he wants his uh, assistant coaches to think like head coaches to the extent that often if a head of assistant coach will challenge him on a thing, he'll oh take over the team. You you seem like you have a grasp on it, not as in like a sarcastic, not sarcastic, thing, yeah, but it, but just in a very secure thing. And you know what? That uh, Toronto Raptors team is forty and fifteen, and they are my favorite to knock off Milwaukee. I still think Milwaukee is the favorite in the East, but if there's a team that's going to beat them, I just think that Toronto team is is, is something. Uh, something special and uh, a big big hat tip to Nick Nurse. Yeah, I love people who are are not just talented enough in their field to be considered the best of the best, right? But are also confident enough in that field to empower people around them. Like that to of me se- that separates like the the super talented people from the great people, right? From from like the from the people who just re- who who attain levels of success that even the most talented people might not is because they are willing to say, you know what? I might have a blind spot here. You might, you might, you might be onto something here. Let's see how this thing goes, right? And now it doesn't always work out. Sometimes you get bad, you get bad input, and you roll with it, and it doesn't work out. But, but the idea that somebody is willing to entrust uh, somebody else on their staff or in the organization or their players 
uh, with with that type of responsibility, I I really respect it. I, I I love the nurse pick up top. I think he might honestly be like we're doing the best coaching performances to this year. He might actually be one of the legitimately best coaches in the NBA. It really, he absolutely. I think he's in that conversation. And you look at this. You you know they obviously famously did the box in one last year, and there was a lot of talk about how it's a gimmick or this or that. You know what? Who's who else is willing to do that in an NBA Finals? Right. This year, you play Pascal Siakam at small forward alongside Serge Ibaka and Marcus Gasol. He's willing to do. He's willing to think outside the box and do some crazy stuff. And then on top of that. You get a player in Terrence Davis out of the G League, joins you from obscurity, mm-hmm. and he's a guy that says, oh, you know what? This guy's good. He's playing. And how many teams would have a player come out of the G League and immediately climb the ladder on a championship team, climb the ladder and be at a key rotation piece? Um, Nick Nurse's willingness to do that, I just he seems to me like a guy that gets it. It's not about reputation. It's not about the – he just is – he's – He's willing to to think outside the box and to do whatever it takes that makes sense um, from a logical standpoint. I think it works. You're talking to somebody who has watched Rajon Rondo play more minutes than Alex Caruso this year. Frank Vogel. That's why we're moving him down. Moving him back (laughs) down to eight. Get out of here, seven and a half. You just check. Congratulations, Anthony. You played yourself. One day I will learn what DJ Khaled does. A lot of people are like, it's right there in his name. I was like, does he DJ, though? I've never seen him DJ. Anyway. All right. <laughs> That'll do it for a really fun episode. Basketball is back. We are in this final sprint to the end of the season here. You got uh, playoff positioning. You have uh, awards that are going to start being really talked about here. This is the, my favorite time of, of the basketball season is right in front of us right now. And we're, we're going to hit it hard as we possibly can. Adam is dancing in the background. Really looking forward to covering the rest of the season with you guys. Again, check out not just the rest of the shows on the Lockdown NBA channel. Check out Hollinger and Duncan. Check out all of the team-specific shows. Check out everything that there is that you, that you want to take in. It's going to be a really fun NBA season. Immerse yourself in it. Enjoy it. And we'll get out of this together. Have a great rest of your weekend. We'll talk to you guys next week.